Welcome back for another week of Growing With My Fellow Growers. I'm your host, Jack Greenstock, joined as always by an amazing panel. I'm going to pass it over first to Spartan Grown. Thanks, Jack. Uh, happy 710, everybody. 710. So that's cool that it fell on the day that we stream. I think that's cool. Um, I'm Spartan Grown. You can find me on Instagram at Spartan Grown, all one word, no spaces. And uh, that's the only social media I do. Um, otherwise, you can shoot me an email at SpartanGrown at gmail.com and I can help you with all your synthetic or or organic that's kind of my thing organic growing questions happy to have you back i want to remind dr mj to uh if he wants to put his video on as i introduce him so that he can be seen on the youtube but next up dr mj oh man that was just like sort of multitasking i had to unmute my microphone and turn on my camera like all at the same time i don't know if i if i fully got it but yeah I am Dr. MJ Coco from CocoForCannabis.com. Um, I am pretty deliriously tired right now. I didn't like sleep last night, so I'm not sure I'll hang out for the whole show. But I definitely wanted to to show up and and you know be part of things as long as I maintained consciousness. Um, so I look forward to whatever we got on tap today. I have a, a YouTube event coming up tomorrow. I want to let people know I'm doing a a uh, video premiere with a giveaway and then a live after show with Green Goblin 510 um, and doing another giveaway there. So that's at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on my YouTube channel tomorrow. Anyways, grower love everyone. I'll shut up now. Check that out for sure. And we're happy to have you. Uh, even if it's for a quarter or half the show, whatever, you can make it through. Uh, I understand sleep is important and uh, sometimes you got to catch up on that. So we're happy to have you. And next up, we've got Matthew Gates. Yeah, hey everyone. Um, today I was actually supposed to speak in LA at the Highline Highlights networking event, but um, yeah, I was having some car trouble, so I will not be there. Instead, I'll be here like I often am every week. And yeah, if you're interested in my work, it's integrated pest management stuff. And if you have any questions or things like that, please put them in the chat or check out my content at youtube.com slash sentinel. Happy to have you back, and uh, unfortunate that sometimes uh, events don't necessarily line up, it sounds like, uh, but we're always happy to have you here, obviously, and next up, we got Noah the Roa. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Uh, yeah, I'm Noah the Roa on Instagram, you can find me there, and uh, most weeks here with everybody, and been having a good week, and went to the beach, and uh, ready to hang out with all you guys and talk some shop here. Happy to have you back and uh, happy 710. Obviously, next up, last and certainly not least of who are with us currently, the American one. Hello, Jack Pano and everyone in chat. I am the American one on the YouTube and the American one underscore with underscore Keens on the IG. If you want to hit me up and or just check out my uh, Instagram or YouTube. And yeah, I'm glad to be here. Glad to have you back. And I guess we'll go in a little bit of a reverse order this week because it is 710. I'll uh, pass it back to Tao and ask if you are indulging. What are you smoking on with us tonight? Um, smoking on some blueberry by Cheesequake. Sounds good. Do you got any dabs just lined flour. up over there? No, no dab, just flour. So. Nothing wrong with that. I know it's tougher sometimes over there. And uh, even if you may concentrate, sometimes it might be like bubble hash, more of a bowl topper or uh, something to throw in a joint. Some people yeah. over there are definitely making rousing and other kinds. Most of my trim goes to my cookies, which everyone knows that I am high. That's high on my list of things and must need every day. So 
the top of town's oh, yeah. priority. Yes. Good to have priorities in order for sure. But uh, I guess next up, I'll pass to Noah the Groa and ask, uh, what are you smoking on? And remind the chat to click on over to the live chat so you can see all the messages and make sure to tag us. If you have a question for myself, you can tag at Jack Greenstock or Cheap Home Grow. And if you have a question for anyone on the panel, please tag them so they can see your question. And we'll try and get to as many as we can in the first hour before we've got a special guest later tonight. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I've been smoking on some uh, apple fritter and uh, I usually keep a jar of uh, platinum around too. So I always, you know, I usually smoke at least a bowl or two of that every other day of the day. So that's what I got going on right now. Sounds good. Definitely a fan of apple fritter myself and uh, platinum is also pretty fire and seeing how you grow, I'd be uh, happy to smoke some with you someday. And next up, Doc, are you uh, able to smoke with us or fighting uh, yeah. off? Would it put you to sleep right now? It, <laughs> no. In fact, I was just thinking about that because I'm like, hmm, I was trying to remember what I put in the pipe when I last put the pipe because I got like three different jars with different strains in them. And I think it was the the dark ghost train haze, which is like a pretty sleepy cut. And I'm thinking, ah, maybe I should have switched to like the more sort of daytime strain and and perk up a little bit. But um, I'm pretty sure that's what's in the pipe right now is is uh, dark ghost train haze. That's the plant that should not be mentioned, by the way. That's the, right. the notorious term. It happens, but at least at the end of the day, even in the worst case scenarios, you still get something to smoke on. So, uh, it, is yeah, it no, it's, this one didn't herm. It's just that so many people grew. This is the strain that everybody they hermed on everybody when we all grew it together. And those, it's funny. It's like I think three quarters of the phenos seem to be like small, runty, hermy plants, and like one quarter of the phenos are like these big, beautiful, amazing fire buds. Um, no, that seems to be about the distribution based on people that have grown them um so this was one of the big amusing beautiful plants but it's just a, a crap shoot when you start the seeds not so fun game of russian roulette for sure yeah. uh matthew are you indulging with us at all tonight before we go into a related question about hermaphrodism from moonfog uh no not the moment i am not i have been doing things that require me to not <laughs> nothing wrong with that but, you know <laughs> yeah no but uh, but uh I, yeah i know right but i will say that um uh i recently had some um some concentrate that was pretty nice uh got up in the atomizer and um uh, it, it was pretty nice it was actually uh what was it i think it was actually like it was called runs but i'm not sure if it really is or what are the various uh, phenotypes or whatever that people have used, you know, but um, I was pretty impressed because I certainly know all the baggage that comes with a name like that. So uh, and even saying that you like something like that might even be tantamount to saying that you like to eat veal or something. I don't know to those who are sensitive to such things, but um, that's a funny comparison. <laughs> yeah. There are definitely sensitive people to both of those things and uh, you can, definitely get some people angry in certain chats but uh it sounds like some good smoke over there and before we get to the question i actually want to pass it to spartan grown because i saw him token a little bit uh what are you smoking on tonight with us spartan actually i went to an event today that was uh, put on by a friend of mine amazing grew on shout out to him on instagram and it's spelled maze m-a-i-z-e but anyway um 
his event what was the organization it was the cannabis community culture quality anyhow it was pretty cool little event and i i'm smoking on some lemon up from cosmic Gar cosmic farms uh caregiver i saw there and so i'm smoking on some of that stuff and i'm a sucker for like the lemony stuff i, I don't i don't have any lemony stuff in my own row right now so that's a unique terp as far as for me so i grabbed on the, the lemony stuff it was really lemony smelling it's is it up like like the uper like yeah the, like the upper peninsula because i would i would read that lemon up like seven up or something but lemon up i like, like that UP. interpretation <laughs> they're pretty cool cosmic farms so shout out to those guys out there and i do have some concentrate i got there too but i forget who it was i got it from but it was a citral glue phenol that they're calling cheddar glue and uh they had the flour there too when i cracked that jar of the flour it smelled like cheese it's like i opened a box of cheese it's so uh, i was like yeah i want that concentrate and the concentrate's pretty pretty decent but i don't get the cheesy they're like the cheese you lose the cheese uh flavor and the concentrate somehow so must have been something in the flour or however they concentrated it maybe it was water soluble and if they right. washed it for bubble hash or something yeah it's definitely an interesting one i'm token on some brand called gelato we get so much free junk for my wife nowadays and i'll just puff on these little disposables for the show uh it's a little <laughs> easier than like packing up on goals every few yeah. months uh being the host trying to stay on top of things and if there's like a silence it's easier to like jump in if i have like a big you know i, I hold my breath like a minute with a bomb rip so we have a lot more <laughs> awkward silences if i was over here with the bongs <laughs> But Moonfog has a great question for us tonight to start off with in relation to Doc's comment earlier about hermaphrodism, but they say, at Cheap Home Grow, how long does it take for a herm to start throwing pollen from initial light leak or whatever issue that may cause it? Well, that's oh. difficult to answer because yeah, I usually don't, I don't see it, you know? I don't see I don't know until it actually herms. That's, I mean, until I actually see it produce like pollen, opened produce up a banana or something you know i don't know when the fucking problem occurred that caused that stress there's no fucking way for me to know usually so yeah i have i have no idea to even answer that question i'm just like always be vigilant in your flower room because you never know if you see something pop up i mean it's pretty rare for me to see it in mine now i've patched up every issue i think but i still i'm in there every day looking for that shit yeah i have to agree i feel like it's super dependent on like a bunch of factors um so like you really wouldn't know until you saw some physical signs at that point though like i feel like those male flowers like when they start to bud they don't take that long to like um to grow to grow larger well i'll say in my experience i just sent out a thousand f2 seeds over the last couple of years and like three of those people found herms and of those three people they were between weeks two and four. So I would say kind of as a stretch is happening and finishing is the most likely I would say to see herms. The second most likely I would say is late in flower. Like if it's a eight or nine weeker and you're pushing it like 10 weeks or something like that, you'll see those late flower nanners or even if it's a nine, not quote nine weeker, everybody's environment's different. Everybody feeds it different, <laughs> how much light you give it, everything kind of dictates when it's going to finish. And it might be ready at nine weeks in my garden, but it might take 11 weeks in your garden, or it might take seven weeks in Spartan's garden. And so I think a lot of people maybe run stuff too long and that stresses it out. And you'll get those late flower nanners, which do kick off pollen in sometimes under a week. If you look at a male, for example, um, males are typically when you flip them to flower within two weeks, 
showing pretty heavy bug set uh, pollen sacs. And by week three, they're starting to dump sometimes even earlier, depending on the, the genetic. But as far as a Hermes concerned, it's essentially operating with the same mechanisms. It's got the staminate flower primordia, whatever the technical term is, but it opens up just like a male pollen sac. When you see it, it's got like kind of a little star thing pops out. And at that point, you know, the pollen's already been thrown. If you just see the actual like little banana, the little bump on the bud, you've got time. You can cut it out potentially. Maybe there was another one that popped and you haven't seen it, but uh, I would say within a week, ideally within a few days, I mean, you want to catch it as soon as possible. And in that week, two to four period, I'd be looking as much as I can, but I guess I'll pass it to doc. Cause I know he had a big group of people during one of the grow offs with that particular strain have a bunch yeah. of enemies. I'm curious your thoughts and feedback on this one. Yeah. Well, I guess my first thought is, you know, it, it sounds maybe like a grower that knows something bad happened in their space. And they're maybe wondering like how much time they have before, you know, they'd have to make a decision to call or something like that. Um, but, you know, most of the times that you end up with a Herm, you don't know when the event happened. But if we were to assume that, you know, the hermaphrodism was triggered by a stress event, um, you would have probably at least two weeks, I think, before pollen could be released from, you know, um, created, grown and, and released from that plant. Uh, you're definitely going to see the problem before problem, you know, before the pollen would be released. I mean, assuming that you're looking for it and assuming that you're being somewhat vigilant, um, like, like Jack's saying, when you see like little nanners growing, the pollen hasn't been released yet. And that's a good time to decide whether what you're going to do with that plant, um, probably call it. With light leak issues, there definitely seems to be evidence that it needs to be an ongoing problem. Um, you know, if it's one stress event, like you left the lights on when they should have been off one night or something like that, um, or a light came on for a few hours in the middle of the dark period once, um, that's unlikely to, to trigger most strains to hermaphrodism. And if it does, that strain was just sort of like sitting on the edge of hermaphrodism anyways. Um, we got to realize that, that sometimes plants just are, you know, um, hermaphrodites. The, the plants are just genetically sort of more predisposed to doing that than others. So it, it's, yeah, it's a tough question, but assuming that it was a stress-related event, and you know, you knew when that event happened. You're, you, I would say, you've got at least 10, 14 days before you know pollen's actually going to be released. Like a power outage, maybe, or a deliberate light leak. Like maybe uh, some, your plant sitter went in there because you were on vacation and they didn't realize that they needed to turn off the lights or something. They let right. a bunch of light in, or something. Like there was a explained multiple day light leak or something. Right. Like a right. cat but scratched the whole tent. You don't really know when the trigger was. Was it the third exposure to the light leak on the third day? Was that sort of the, the trigger that really forced it into hermaphrodism or the second day? Or maybe it wasn't until, you know, this happened five times that it was the trigger. So you're not going to be able to be super precise about sort of understanding that. Um, but I, I think one rule of thumb there is, yeah, if you can keep something that the bad happens, make sure it only happens once, you should be okay. If it if it repeatedly happens to the plant, that's can trigger hermaphrodism. Well, and you know that is, the, oh, sorry, oh, go ahead, Matthew. 
I know the, I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but um, I posted on my Sync Angel personal account that the researcher Jacob Toth said that uh, um, it's mostly genotype. It's not really very yeah. much, they're very much uh, environmental. So like in some, I only mentioned this because it doesn't mean that you won't get it or anything, you know, but like in some cases you might be able to like totally remove yourself from the from the possibility, at least in the future, depending on some of the plants you get, which is kind of a neat thing to consider. Um, he found some of the genes that are related to that and where they're located uh, in the genome, which is really cool. And I'm glad we're doing that kind of research, but. Yeah, um, for sure. I've often thought, based on personal experience about this too, that, you know, there's the, the cultivation reasons and there's the genetic reasons that that a plant could potentially harm and it's always in the breeder's interest to blame the grower um <laughs> when yeah when true. we no it's had, a true statement when all What's of it? us harmed their instinct was to tell each of us individually that it was our faults until they realized that we were all connected and knew each other and it had happened to all of us right and it becomes harder and harder to like blame each and every one of you for for screwing up in the same way um, and I think a lot of growers are, are sort of prone to blame themselves for things that happen poorly in their tent. So, you know, you end up with the harm, you're like, oh man, what did I screw up? I'm such a screw up, like I screw everything up or whatever. I mean, we kind of are, are encouraged and you contact the breeder and you're like, my plant harmed and they're like, yeah, you must have had a light leak or it must have been some problem in your tent because they don't want to take responsibility for that. I will say when better to take accountability even if it might be potentially genetic and think like if this is my fault what can i do to fix it like whenever i've had an issue Absolutely. in the past i'm not going to say this is the nutrient company's fault that I, my plant is overfed like maybe i didn't read my ec meter so that's why i gave them too much nutrients even if i was following the recommendations maybe right. i should have gone half or quarter or whatever uh, and in the case of hermes i do think that a lot of it is genetic and it, the breeders are so be like look you did this you had light lakes you did this um but I, I think that it's a spectrum like there's both the genome and then there's the cultivation environment. There's that probably and a whole bunch of other factors that play into it. And like I've mentioned about punch F2, I sent out a thousand. I've since started contacting people and realized that a little bit more grew them that didn't post about them. Um, but I since have seen photos and things like that. So I thought it was about 10% had hermed with three out of the 30, but it was like three out of 50 people that uh, 50 out of the hundred that I sent them out to. Right. And with that being said, um, that's, you know, under 10%, we'll say, at least uh, to be conservative. But then you've got like the dark ghost train haze, which presented itself in like, I don't know, let's say 75%. Yeah, I'm comfortable group. with like 66 to 75% in that range. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. I, I've seen a ton of herms. And even if it is from the, you know, even if it is from the environment, the, the strain still had the genetic, had to have the genetic, uh, code to when it's stressed it makes harms because right. there'll be tents full of different strains and there'll be a same white leak for all of them and only one will harm out so or like three will harm and one won't and, and like, when i hermed one of the, right. the ghost train hazes i had another one that didn't harm and they were grown right next to each other in the same environment the same, they have it, so. the same everything else it's like this so. wasn't like something i'm doing differently for these so two it, it all has to do with genotype though is what i'm saying genetics yeah. so at, you know, either way, but um, I've I've noticed that it it appears that uh, really heavy, like when I use sub cool super soil, if it was too hot, it seemed to uh, bring out herms, 
with definitely certain strains were apparently uh, more. Well, now if we're, make if we're talking about things like that, I think underlighting can bring out herms too. Right. There's probably sure. other factors that we don't even know about, but yeah, yeah it definitely has to be in the genetics to begin with. So. Exactly. Yeah, was- underlighting will only do it with strains like the the, the ghost train strains that um you know do that that they if they get on if they get insufficient light they'll herm especially throwing nanners on their lower branches that get shaded out um and yeah some kind of stress trigger for every herm usually yeah i will say this i think that every single cannabis plant if you try hard enough whether that's spraying a reversal spray on it or light leaking or putting it in too small of a pot or getting it in a room that's way too hot over watering it under watering it Kyle Breeder, our one of our panel members who um, he's a very busy guy, so he hasn't been here as much recently. But um, if you look at his website, he has like three or four of the 15 things that he has done for stress testing some of his genetics. And he's shown that if he does that, like root binding, if you grow it in a solo cup um, or even smaller, then you try to flower it. A big percentage of the stuff is going to hurt him. But then on the other end of the spectrum, Breeder, Breeder Steve is doing like the million seed search where anybody who makes seeds or has seeds and over 100 um, can send him a hundred pack and he'll grow them in like 10 different zones down in Columbia. And he said that most stuff is actually not herming when it's just like grown at the equator, outdoor in nature, uh, aquaponics, whatever fed. He said that the majority of the stuff isn't herming. And a lot of the stuff that he's working with, I've seen personally herming when people are growing indoors. So I think the environment plays a huge role. The genetics play a huge role, but, um, I definitely don't think it's like the breeder can just be like, you did this wrong. But I think that if you look at the root of cannabis and how it grows in nature, hermaphrodism is very common. And I haven't found. In- and beneficial Please. for the plant, usually like from a ecological standpoint. Survival, 100%. Yeah. I mean, if all the males die off or if the pollen, if it starts pouring rain, as soon as the pollen sacs are going to open, all that pollen becomes nullified. Well, now they have no way to make seeds for the next year. So what does the plant do? There's a bunch of dead males and then there's a few females what the hell are they going to do? Well, they have to pollinate themselves to keep going. And that's just one of a million scenarios or whatever. But, um, but I wanted to uh, mention that, uh, yeah, if, you, if you're if you growing seeds that are unknown and you, even clones that you get from anywhere, if it's new, you guys should be inspecting that shit on the daily. And, I mean, I have tons of pictures of herms, and they're, like, hidden underneath the leaf. You have to move one leaf out of the way, then another leaf, and there's the male, a male football right there. Pretty big, too, it was. But if you're if you look all the time, you shouldn't have your shit get seeded, and then you have to decide. And I've seen them all the ways. I've seen plant that like whatever it was, week three in flower, every single bud set had uh, male flowers popping. So that was like definitely genetic because it was um, yeah, it was a crazy uh, sativa, and uh, but yeah, that's what I would tell people. You definitely if you stay vigilant. And then if oh in seven to ten days definitely if you if it's a if it's a male if you could see it's a football in seven days it could definitely open up and pollinate shit. Yeah, but it's all it's all about like uh you know it's kind of a mathematics thing at that point. Like if you have like three really rainy days plus the humidity and all that stuff, it might make the pollen less viable and all of that but you're right you know it, it'll continue to make pollen oh, sort of i i had one that it, it opened up totally definitely would have been seeds everywhere but it must have been shooting blanks because there was not a seed in the whole entire turn 
There are stairs. Well, that happens. That definitely happens. There was a room, there was a room actually. Yeah. I was growing so. with a hemp grower who had um, uh, a pretty serious problem with, with herming plants. And they were kind of like halfway in that way. They weren't uh, expressing fully the male flower trait. So um, they didn't even seem to make much pollen even. There's like pistol or stamenless uh, plants where they don't produce any of the sex you know, reproductive parts. So like it, a female that can't be pollinated because it has no pistols to be pollinated. And I've seen both, and again, Kyle has mentioned this in the past, when he's reversed a female, I think the rock candy or one of the other ones, it makes very few seeds or no seeds. I know the Mac is like that. I've heard that um, Oregon CBD has some reason to believe that there's diploid and triploid and haploid and all those different groups. And for some reason, I think like diploid and haploid groups can't breed together. So like the pollen from one um, won't pollinate the other. So they're trying to find basically that, you know, freak mutant or whatever it is, the triploid, I think is what they're calling it. Um, but the ploidy thing is definitely yeah, confusing. You can to do me. it with polyploidy. I was reading into that a little bit. You know, there's, I'm, I'm fascinated in that side of things. It's so bizarre that we grow seedless varieties by physically removing any male presence from our crops. I mean, that's just like unheard of in other kinds of, of agriculture. Um, and, you know, since cannabis, there's ways to do this with clone only varieties. Um, but one of the problems with creating sort of sterile females is it becomes really hard to get the next generation of crops out of that, unless you're doing it through a cross, basically by, by crossing two different plants that aren't sterile, such that they create sterile offspring. Um, so you can cre keep creating the, the new seeds. And that sort of approach is how the polyploidy sort of approach goes at it you have viable parent lines that can cross and create you know viable f1 generation but not a f2 generation hermaphroditism is one of those like natural aspects of the plant that like people who say that they want to grow the most natural plant in the most natural conditions seem to not really like follow through with which is very understandable um, well, they, they still that, want sensimia. I mean, that's sure. I was gonna say we'd all be growing seeded bud. Part of this, right? The exactly. natural plant grown in the natural way, but you're still trying to like prevent the plant from reproducing. Right. Exactly. And on, on top of that, the uh, that same researcher I mentioned was looking at the potential what are called super males. So right, like um, like a trying to like tease out a, a YY chromosome uh, cannabis plant. And right. whether or not that would be useful or not, which I thought was really interesting, but it seemed like it wasn't super conclusive. Um, but yeah, I find that kind of stuff pretty fascinating myself, and I, I definitely don't knock it. Find a use that would, if you could find a fiber variety and then get the males only, they would grow way faster. You were thinking about something like that. Unless, yeah. Unless there's a YY that might exist that I'm not aware of, but like males are XY. So That's if you right. even if you reverse. That's why it's a, male, a super male. That's why it's a super male yeah is that is yeah. that like sarcasm or is there actually no it's called super male yeah I no that's a research thing. into this yeah that's just a term okay so yeah that's definitely something that would be a, a different path but there's like the parthenocarpy where the like or apomixis apomixis is another one where it can self-pollinate without pollen essentially 
Um, so, and there's like another one that ends with Carpi, but I can't remember. One of them actually produces seedless and one of them kind of produces seedless. Like you get the little white premature seeds and like a watermelon, even though it's technically seedless, you're not getting like the big black seeds. Um, but I can't find the name for that one. What was that? Time? No, I think I know what you're talking about, Jack. I don't, I don't think not not orthogenesis. I don't think maybe Par, parth parthogenesis. Parth parthenogenesis. Parthenogenesis. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Is the one type, but there's another yeah. type oh, where okay. there's actually no parthenocarpy. There's no seeds at all. Uh, I think the other one. I thought it was stethanocarpy, but whenever I type that in, maybe I'm spelling it wrong, or maybe previously mispronounced it. I heard him talk about it because he's the one who is really trying to breed for this. And um, CSI Humboldt or. Yeah, I think it was Inspecta, CSI Humboldt, has found that if you S1, S2, uh, by the S2s, you're starting to see a lot more infertile plants that can't be pollinated. And by like S3, he's having like a hard time even getting the S3s because I think it becomes more and more, the more selfing you do, the more likely it is to become infertile. And after just two generations consistently across several, like 40 or 50 different strains, started to see a percent rise that were non-pollinatable which i found to be kind of interesting but yeah no this is definitely interesting it'll be i mean there's other things that they've done with other plants in terms of breeding like this that you know once they really are able to to wrestle with the the genome a little bit better and understand the genetics for cannabis better um it'll be fascinating to see what sort of the elite cannabis breeders are doing by the next decade or in two decades i think there's going to be uh, a lot more sort of control over certain aspects of the plant from a breeding perspective. And I'm, I'm not talking about CRISPR. I'm talking about sort of traditional plant breeding techniques of crossing different plants together. Strategic the other word was like phylos, <laughs> like what they're doing. Well, <laughs> exactly. But um, no, I mean, in, in terms of being able to isolate traits, in terms of being able to understand you know, we don't even have a good understanding of like auto periodism, right? We're, we're starting to understand that um, being able to work with the genes in that way and cross varieties and, and select for different things is still really nascent in, in cannabis breeding. With that, there's the autos that can go 24 hours and then there's the stuff that can go at 18 hours. And then the, most of it's like 12, 12 or whatever. And uh, Matthew has a good paper from, I think the Chinese hemp, which looks at different uh, latitudes and the photoperiodism of cannabis, which was really interesting. The other word that I couldn't find or uh, pronounce, it's, I'm probably going to mispronounce it. It's S-T-E-N-O-S-P-E-R-M-O-C-A-R-P-Y. So stenospermocarpy yeah. versus uh, parthenocarpy. But apomixis is another, the third kind of seedless uh, or, or way to create seeds without pollination, interestingly enough. As far as I'm concerned, if you're a plant and you achieve apomixis, um, you know, you've won. You essentially won at that point. I don't know. Like, that's a pretty good benefit. <laughs> Not just being able to kind of reproduce like that. Um, I think some some plants are able to just kind of do one or the other. But If uh, I could do that, I'd be stoked because my business <laughs> would grow very quickly. But, very uh, quickly. Yeah, with that question, I think we definitely got really deep into it. But Rico Rodriguez, Rico Rodriguez grows says my wife picked up two months supply of RSO and it tastes like butane or something. Can I heat it to purge it? I'm not familiar with butane. If that's what it is, taste terrible. So I'm going to guess and say it's either, um, if they did it properly, I would hope a food grade alcohol, 
like a Everclear or some sort of ethanol that you can consume and not get sick. But some people actually use isopropyl and maybe they didn't purge it off or maybe they did use butane to make this and they're calling it RSO, even though that's not technically what most people would consider RSO. Um, but I'm going to say, I guess that it's remaining uh, alcohol and to kind of get the rest of it off, you could heat it uh, depending on if it's already in syringes, it might be a little bit more difficult, but Spartan Grown, I feel like is our resident RSO expert on the panel. And he's even stepped it up recently and got a Rotovap over there. So he's really uh, leveling up his game, but I know you've been doing RSO for a long, long time. And I'd love to hear your input on this one. So I did answer in chat a little bit. Um, it, it's nice to know that he's, he's got a, um, a uh, heated plate with a magnetic stir. So it'll be easy to do what you suggested, which is a good suggestion. But before you do that, if you can find out from the manufacturer, you know, because it's odd, it's odd to me, butane. It's odd to me that it would have a butane uh, smell because butane is not usually used in the process. Um, butane would be used in making maybe honey oil, I guess you could call it, or shatters or all kinds of other products. What I would be, if it's still, if it's an RSO and it smelled like butane, I would be thinking that, you know, you have to remember RSO is a concentrate and it's going to concentrate. If it's done well, you can concentrate terpenes as well. And you can, if it's a strain that was a fucking butane smell and strain, it's going, or maybe it was something close enough to, to a butane that when it was concentrated, it turned into a butane smell. That could totally be a thing. If they're doing a single source RSO where it's only one strain, which a lot of places do, I could see that being the thing. And it might just be a heavy butane terp. If you can see if what strain they used to give you an idea, if that's a possibility, um, it might just be a terpene and not anything, not the actual, <laughs> not the actual gas. Um, that's a good point. Because so, some stuff people describe as gassy that some people might think fuel or gasoline, but like butane is a gas. So when they smell that gaseous smell on the flower, when you concentrate it down, depending on what they use, whether it's alcohol, I would ask what um, solvent they use, if it's a solvent RSO, because like Brandon makes solventless RSO essentially. So there's a hundred ways yeah. to do it. It seems. If you use, if you put your main, you can, if you're just concerned, you can put the you can put the RSO into your magnetic stir and, and go between 170 to 180 degrees Fahrenheit. And that's going to boil off alcohol hundred percent for sure. Um, now, as far as butane, I, you know, just Google, you know, what's the boiling point of butane. Now, the only thing to remember is, is, you know, plug this thing into an extension cord and do it outside because if there is butane in there, that's very flammable and so is alcohol. So, um, you don't want it to you know, burn your fucking house down. You don't, you don't want to sit there with a joint in your mouth. You know what I mean? There's just think of things like that. Great advice. The, the safety thing can't go overlooked with alcohol or butane indoors. I've seen and heard too many stories of people blowing themselves up, catching themselves on fire, hurting themselves, loved ones, pets. It's a really a, a black eye on the cannabis community at times, because when you've got people blowing themselves up, it makes us look more like a lot of, maybe harsher illicit substances and not trying to judge, but I think that for the most part, we can keep a pretty professional rep here. If uh, we educate people properly. You said nerds was the strain. I haven't heard of nerds as a strain. I'm not familiar, but that would be, I would assume more candy, like and not gassy. Man, yeah. Isn't a, isn't, I thought a, a dog doctor brings up the need for a vacuum. My understanding was that 
that might be necessary in this sort of situation. Well, vacuums usually are going to help you be able to boil them off at lower temperatures. So you're trying to preserve terpenes. But if you're looking just for safety, oh, I guess that's true. The same fuck it. Like a vac oven you see sometimes used to make certain types of concentrates, specifically like BHO, butane hash oils uh, that are purged that way. They stick them into a vac oven to cook off the butane. But even then, if you test it, like here in California, they do, they'll, you go pull up your COA and it says there's 0.20 parts per million of butane. And there's like an acceptable level up to a certain amount. And it has to be underneath that acceptable level. And it's extremely low, but it's still there to get zero or close to zero is you have to do a lot of work. Like Fergroli has shared, he uses D-limonene to clean his columns and stuff with. D-limonene is a terpene found in cannabis, but it's also a solvent. It strips the shit out of whatever equipment he's using and it helps clear and purge off the remaining bits of butane that can get stuck in your equipment and stuff like it's it's a gas any little nooks and crannies and things like that the trace it tiniest little trace amounts it's something we can't even see so it does come up in testing but um i would definitely take spartan's advice there and i'm curious if anybody else on the panel has thoughts for our friend here about getting rid of the butane smell and um would anybody just throw it away because i feel like in some cases i mean two months supply that would kind of suck to have to get rid of but I would, if i had testing available to me i would just take a sample and get it tested and just know for sure what instead of guessing and, and you'll know and then you'll know whether if you want to take that whole sample back and get your money back or if that's even an option um that that's all best case scenario kind of world um, but that would be best case scenario in my book yeah sometimes you gotta just kind of move on um my experience if it smells like butane most likely it also tastes like butane most likely you know if, if the smoke is fire it probably is butane as far as the vacuum thing usually guys will use a vacuum pump in a chamber but uh yeah i would probably just uh, see if i could move on from it or you know use it sparingly in spartan's idea of the low heat you know that's probably your best option yeah, I would kind of agree with that, too. I was sort of a little bit taken aback when Spartan started, you know, thinking it could be terpenes. And I'm like, hmm, that's a really interesting point. Um, yeah, I've done but, some single source runs, and I swear you can get some really funky fucking smells. You're like, yeah. Oh, especially like GMO fucking lines and that kind of shit. Holy shit, some of that stuff. Yeah, I guess I'm, I, I mean, it would depend on the situation, but it's a tough call to try to sign off on, on you know, consuming something that's potentially contaminated with butane. I'm a pretty cautious person, definitely. Um, I could totally understand that, that concern. And also some of these compounds are like, you know, <laughs> like yeah, some uh, butane has <laughs> these are cleaners, like well, some of the terpenes, I mean, you know, like in the right concentration. The big well, thing they can be caustic at the wrong temperature. The yeah. big thing matters, though, too, is, is why would you get the RSO? Usually, RSO is like, I'm sick. Cancer treatment. Yeah. So, uh, you'd be surprised case, if, if that's the case, man. Some of the stuff that I've seen. Yeah. That's me, too. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, it might be life or death situation. And if you have a lab that's able I, I, to I do it, it, you're talking 40, 50 time. bucks to get it tested, man. And, and just get it tested and see. Yeah. yeah, I think that that's the best choice. And I think that the second best choice is to probably, like, you know, move on, as Noah was saying. <clears throat> I've seen a guy one time run, you know, tubes of butane, you know, weed, you know, making BHO. And then afterwards, 
he came over to my house with the with the material that he ran and he goes what can i do with this and at first i didn't because if you've ever seen afterwards it, it, it's hard to tell the difference at first it looks like wet fur and then it goes afterwards and i was like oh well you can probably make like edibles or something out of it and he goes oh you don't think that the butane that's in there would have a problem like what are you talking about that's hella dangerous so you gotta be very cautious for what some people will do i'm not saying that's what happened here but i would be pretty cautious i'll just say that yeah chemistry is a hard subject for me even <laughs> no i'm just saying well, I, I it's difficult sometimes people don't use the right equipment a lot of times and you know or don't know like a lot of times people just don't know they're doing something wrong it's not even intentional right he was genuinely curious you know and i so i said i was like oh i would I'd just get rid of it you know i wouldn't touch that so i would almost wonder if you could do like a tincture but i feel like the butane does such a good job stripping the plant of the you're getting so much out of it i I can only imagine there's how much left is in that plant and how worth it is it going through the effort of separating it from the butane once again if you find a craftsman it's worth it i'll tell you what have some fergurley dabs and it's fucking worth i'll smoke fergurley's dabs his fucking butane extractions over rosin well i'm not saying i'm not to smoke butane i'm saying not to to use the leftover material after it's already been blasted like that Okay, yeah. I think yeah. it's a little too frugal. I love BHO. I've got a dab tray with 15 different concentrates, and probably 10 of them are solvents, mainly BHO. So I, I'm no, uh, I like both sides of the field. I personally think that those people are artists, like in this industry. I, yeah. Man. At the legal market, it's so hard to find like really, really good flour. But in my opinion, it's pretty easy to find pretty damn good concentrate because there's people that can turn not shit into gold, but they're turning some decent the quality. quality. You can say at least improve it. Great. Yeah. Or, or like, you know, sometimes they're even taking other cannabis derived terpenes and souping it up, which you know I'm not the hugest fan of, but people are doing it. I've had them. I've got that right in my cart right now. I mean, there's, it tastes good. It gets me medicated. It's discreet and uh, convenient. So I understand that everything kind of has its place and its purpose. Yeah. Um, it might not be your main go-to thing, but. Um, I just, I always push against the division that I see in the industry because I'm already seeing it happen as legalization goes across. There's already the people forming groups and, and, and I'd rather be what it always was as an open free and sharing of ideas and that kind of stuff. Because now even in the concentrate game, there's, Oh no, we're solvents and we're solventless. And I'm like, show me the test, man. I'll show you a test of a BHO red thing. And it's, it is solventless. Damn it. It's not detected. So that tells me it's solventless. You know what I mean? But then they still hold some quality snub, almost like some organic farmers, you know, you're not organic enough if you don't do it this way. And it's just like, oh, you guys, everybody's missing the point. Yeah, no, I, there's some definite parallels there. And I understand that um, there's different issues on different things, but certainly the, the finished product, if it's well done, right. it's just as safe. There's a quote, divide and conquer. It's the oldest trick in the book. I'm not sure who actually said it, but every community that I'm a a fan of and a part of, every single one is divided, whether it's video games, car owners, weed smokers, you've got your Chevy guys and you got your Ford guys. And it's like, why can't we all just celebrate that we love trucks or whatever it is? You know what I mean? It's like every single community, people, we love to identify ourselves in these little boxes and then it's us against them when in reality we'd be so much better off if we're all just working together and that community mindset is something that i appreciate a lot about the cannabis community when we're doing it successfully when it's actually the community and 
we're sharing and, and uh, doing stuff like this where we can help people out, answer questions, which we haven't gotten a lot of chat. So make sure to drop those in there. We've only gotten a few. I scrolled back up to try and find more and um, not really seeing tons of questions, but first few have got us going for almost an hour and we're gonna have a guest in a little bit. So uh, we'll look forward to that. But yeah, it's definitely unfortunate to see how almost like childlike it can seem at times, like a, a schoolyard playground when you see kids like, I'm not inviting you to my birthday. Or, You're not my friend anymore. <laughs> this and that. My parent could beat up your parent or these shoes are cooler than those shoes. It's like, really, you see that reflected in adults all over the world in, oh, in jobs sure. and communities it's just like we could all use a little bit of growing up at times i think absolutely man <laughs> i couldn't agree more it's like uh, i think that was one of the biggest things that attracted me to besides just growing the cannabis was the community that came with it and uh, that was like that really was like the hook that pulled me in and and I just didn't want, I don't want to see that go away. You know what I mean? I don't want to see that be tore down because feuds and, or whatever, whatever it may be. I see like little groups forming and it's, it's great in one aspect, but in the, in the, in this, in another aspect, don't, uh, don't be non-accepting of others. That's, that's the only thing that I, I know I'm not a fan of. Build bridges, not, not walls, right? Yeah. Um, yeah wall yourself off into little groups and that is a common thing that humans are, are want to do to define oh, yourself sure. as part of a group in opposition to some other group and it gives you a sense of identity and then you get like sort of rah-rah about like being organic or being whatever it is right um and that definitely breaks down the solidarity amongst the larger communities so yeah build those bridges and i think that that we we sort of preach practice what we preach in that regard through this show and and elsewhere in terms of bringing together different styles of growing with mutual respect and sort of understanding um how that happens so i i just wanted to reiterate those comments from jack and spartan that yeah build bridges we're all we're all interested in in growing together and potentially unintentionally burn them people unintentionally burn bridges all the time by kind of talking shit on stuff that's just not their preferred thing like maybe you love living soil but yep. maybe there's guys out there that are growing in cocoa or hydro and if you're like living soil or fuck that shit i'll throw it in a bonfire i'll throw it in the trash i'm not smoking it get it out of my face yep. don't come to me with that and i'm like come on man like you just ostracize like so many people out there that are doing this and they're happy with it and that are growing great product and if you were open-minded you'd probably experience some dank that would surprise you that there are people out there killing it in cocoa and dwc and all these other methods and um, I shamefully, I used to have a little bit of that in my heart. Like when I switched from cocoa to organics, I was like, this is better. I'm doing good for the earth and I'm going to make tastier weed. But at the end of the day, like reflecting on some of my best crops were in cocoa and they tasted amazing. I had no problems with them. I've had doc stuff growing in cocoa, high frequency fertigation, fucking amazing smoke. I had no problem with it. Um, so at the end of the day, like do what makes you happy, do what grows you good herb that you can manage and, and have success with um, and don't get drawn into these kind of schoolyard clashes on the internet. Yeah. Uh, if you and start if typing a furious comment, here, right? realize, well, well, take a breath, just delete it and you don't waste your time because that person's going to reply back to you and then you're going to go back to them. You're gonna go back. I've seen it. I've done it. And I stopped doing it because I'm like, every time I get engaged in this, even if I'm trying to like enlighten somebody and show them like, oh, you know what? Even if I'm saying like what I'm saying right now, like if I'm, if I'm commenting on someone say organics is the best or salts are the best they yield better or this tastes better or whatever it is I'm like dude both are great and then somebody's like fuck you you don't know what the fuck you're talking about you tent growing piece of shit i'm like 
all right, I shouldn't have uh, even taken the time out of my day to get into that negativity when I could have just smoked another one and been super happy with it. Yeah. Now, cheers to that. We do have a guest. His name is Jack. Um, I don't know if I want to give the whole name because he's made a new Instagram profile. He'll, I'll allow him to introduce himself when he gets here. If he does end up showing up, I believe that he's going to. We've had contact earlier. He has an outdoor garden growing, so he sent me a video via email that I'll share screen and he'll talk us through. And um, cheap home grower reached out, said I'd love to show off my garden if it's possible sometime and asked what time we're doing the live and everything. And I figured uh, on a Q&A, sometimes we just throw it into the kind of ether of all the people in the chat, but then occasionally people reach out and would like to be on the show and show off the garden. So I wanted to give Mr. Jack and Skits, I think is the IG there. It's a new page out there. They'll probably, uh, if they didn't want me to say it, then they can change it <laughs> at a later date. So Jack will be here in about 10 minutes. Um, cool. Oh, there, 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 JF from NB just tagged me. I'm here, brother. So cheers to you, Jack. We look forward to having you on and I'll uh, go pull up my email now so that I can have it prepared in the background and not accidentally expose other emails or private information or anything like that. So I'll pass it off to uh, Tao and ask, what are you growing on? How are things going? I know that you've been saying you've been on the chocolate tie hunt for a while. Anything uh, new or any new updates on that? Yeah, no, no. I Well, I picked the one I'm going to end up trying, trying the female that I'm going to use. And I have two males that I'm going to uh, probably see which one does better. But uh, I actually did a, uh, a germ test on some time work by Blueberry, and uh, I couldn't I couldn't just throw them out, so I planted a whole bunch of solo cups. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, I wasn't like I wasn't expecting to do that. But yeah, that's what happened. So we'll see what happens. But someone did send me some uh, on Instagram who harvested that time work by Blueberry, and it looks pretty damn amazing, I must say. So um, uh, I wanted to try it anyway. It sounds exciting. Um, have you had the time rack by itself? And what do you think? Of oh, it? yeah. I, that's one of the ones I um, had in the same tent with uh, your uh, Velvet Punch that one time. Uh, the time rack plant is the one I keep uh, praising that it doesn't, it's impossible for me to get rid of. And it clones on its own pretty much. It's just like awesome. And the smoke is like tastes. I can't describe the flavor. It's just funky. So, yeah. Um, and, yeah, I sent a whole bunch of those testers out to people and a whole bunch of people growing them. Only, like, that's the only one I got back that harvested, though. So, see how it goes. Sounds good. Noah, I know you showed us your garden a little bit. Um, I'm more interested, not that I'm not interested in the actual garden, but in hearing about how are things going on the other end where you're growing in the tent and looking through some seeds, has anything started showing potential that you might want to give a shot at kind of coming up to the big league? Yeah, uh, I've had a, a few. Um, I've been doing the uh, Afghan cherry that I got and um, they've, they've looked, I had like three phenos. One of them just kind of was scraggly. So I called it and um, I'm kind of deciding which one of these two I'm going to run just because I have so much limited space and, um, we had a, our vegetable starts in there and, uh, it was just kind of taken over a little bit. And so I'm going to, as soon as the weather cools down a little bit, I'm going to hit it a little bit harder. I just, uh, had so much going on with my, my son and my granddaughter and my family. Just, I haven't even, I've had such a, I've been just 
taking, you know, I got, Hey, I got to take this much time to do this in my, in my garden. So, you know, it's sometimes it, with your family, it can just become overwhelming, but I never uh, let my big garden ever, uh, ever lack. So the little one has been kind of, I've been kind of stuck a little bit, but uh, I'm definitely jumping in uh, head first, uh, probably September when it starts to cool down a little bit and I'm not fighting heat in that other part of my garage. So. Yeah, that's brutal to try and keep a garage climate controlled through the hottest times of the year. It's funny, my uh, one plant, I'm doing uh, some stress testing of my own. I developed punch F3s before I send them out to testers. I like to kind of put them through hell and see if I can get them to herm or have any problems in my garden before I send them off to anybody else. And thankfully, I had no uh, negative results on my end. But the one plant that I really stressed the most, like small pot, high heat, overwater, underwater, low light, too much light, just like I put this thing through hell, ran it like four weeks past harvest my cat i call him sanka the rasta he like knows like he attacks this is the first grow and i've had him for four years now he's been with me for several harvests and i've always grown in that cabinet and i've flowered in that cabinet before i've never stress tested something this hard before and he just like fucking he knows if there's a plant struggling in there like he's trying to open it up all the time he's like why aren't you taking care of this fucking plant i like open it he runs up to it he looks at it and he like looks at me like why aren't you taking care of this thing? So I just thought it was kind of interesting to see my little Rasta cat. Maybe I'm, uh, you know, over anthropomorphizing, but it definitely That's seems awesome. like a weird coincidence that maybe it's putting off some different chemicals or something that he's sensing or sensitive to, but it was a very strange uh, thing that I've noticed when you just, and I'm doing it on purpose, but like there's been times where my garden, I've been busy in life and it gets stressed out and he has actually like scratched at the tent, uh, open it up and I'm like, oh shit, I needed water. So uh I do think that there might be a little sixth sense going on with the uh, four-legged furry friends there. So it really could be. There really plus. could be. You know, I was just reading that uh, uh, mosquitoes they develop their their scent for humans from their original scent for plants and nectar and that kind of stuff because the males are pollinators. Um, so there was a time when the mosquito lineage wasn't um, parasitic, I think, or maybe right before that, whatever came before. And when they went that way, uh, they just like co-adapted. So like there's kind of a shared chemistry there. I, I would not be surprised. Um, I think there is something like that even already known with uh, people even and also other animals. It's an interesting phenomenon for sure. And uh, I guess I'll just pass it around the horn if anybody's got any interesting uh, thoughts, comments or updates before we've got uh, five minutes before Jack jumps in. I got, I'm getting kind of excited. I'm about a week out on my project B switching from my vortex seeds that I got from the old, uh, shut down, uh, what was it? A grocery store or whatever. And I've got these old dusty S seeds. Anyhow, I got two males and two females and I've got them vegged out and they're like a week from flip. I'll be able to flip those and uh, they'll ready. They'll be ready to just, uh, get it on make me way more vortex seeds <laughs> i don't often have to ask for seeds but those would be some that i'd, I'd love to get my hands on so oh, I, I got you i got vortex you seeds. Sure. and you know it's crazy i was doing stem rubs uh today on the two females and um one it just smells now what i remember vortex was it was really lemony like lemon cleaner lemony and uh one has got like a hint of that lemon but not real strong yet and then the other one is just straight foul smelling, like just foul right now. So I don't know what that's going to turn into. But that's uh, interesting. 
He had some baby diaper, baby diaper terps and some of his crosses and stuff. It was similar to that, similar to something like that. Yeah, it's down those lines. It was like real foul. So that'll be interesting. And I'm just open pollination. I don't know if you call four plants open pollination, but it's basically open pollination. I'm just letting them mix and get a good mix in there. I think um, as, that's as much open pollination as you, you can with a lot of five seeds, right? You got the two males, two females, and some people would be like, oh, why don't you pick the best male? And it's like, well, how do you really even know what the best male right. is out of the bunch? So he's doing what would preserve odds. the most genetics and keep it because sub might have picked something completely different, right? So if you just have both of them going, you've got a mix of all those seeds that kind of have a little bit of everything that's potentially in there. And F2, if it's, I don't know if it'll act like a true F2 because it's not really like a true f1 no offense to sub but his stuff right, right, right. um and it doesn't breed like a an f1 to an f1 in like corn or even in cannabis like if you look at an ibl bred to another ibl or a land race bred to a land race they really have that kind of heterosis and hybrid vigor where uh having personally gone through f2ing and f3ing some polyhybrids myself very recently i can tell you it's uh f2 wasn't what i've been told where it's like oh you're gonna see every single one of the grandparent genetics i was like you know a little changed but there wasn't this crazy variation now at f3 i'm starting to like see some interesting things but even still not super crazy so i'm wondering if it's just not going to line up at all with the traditional because they're so it's like bringing a mutt to a mutt to a mutt you don't really know what you're going to get it's yeah but as you keep selecting for each line maybe it's going to get more towards that it's going to get more towards a true f1 breeding at that point and then you're going to see it in like a you know in an f2 from that or whatever right like if i took this to f6 and then i crossed it to like i have pine tar kush in bread line and i cross yeah. those two together i would expect more of like a ibl to ibl kind of uh, f2 or f1 i should say true f1 where you get that vigor and dropping off of some of the negative traits of both parents. Have, I think yep. I'm going to hopefully within a day or two, we'll be ready to start trimming on the Russell, my, the namesake strain. <laughs> but anyway, it was a, uh, oh, shoot. oh, it was Jack Herrera, uh, Jack Herrera and Chemdog, both back crosses, both BX2s crossed each other. That's like, I, I would love that strain because I just love both parents. I, Assuming that the back crosses didn't change them dramatically, uh, back cross you get a lot more of that parent genetic. So, being a Jack Herrera and Chem Dog fan, it sounds like uh, Russell would be one I'd like. And um, it sounds like you're going to be using that to breed. Isn't that your male now moving forward through your bliss blood? Or well, I because of the because of the uh, structure of the male, I'm not, I'm not keeping it. I don't think I'm keeping it because it is super leafy indoor. So I can't imagine if I put that outdoor. Oh my God, it'd be just insanity. So I don't think I, I'm I'm going to uh, use the that volunteer mystery fucking. This just makes it more fun fun anyway, right? That volunteer mystery fucking plant that just sprouted up in my vegetable bed. Uh, it grew with this big gigantic fucking stalk, and then it turned out to be male. So I cloned that and I'm hoping it's going to strike roots. It's in my cloner right now with its okay. balls hanging all over the fucking place in my fucking bedroom. Fingers crossed that uh, I've seen stuff actually get pollinated in veg, not too often unless it's like very mature and got pistols on it and everything already. But if it happens, I don't care. I'll pop those seeds. I mean, this fucking is the most vigorous plant I've ever fucking witnessed in my life. It might be hemp. I don't even know, but it was the most vigorous fight. It was like a fucking sunflower. Hey, that's a good thing, I think, uh, but it might be hemp related, like you're saying. But Dr. MJ, uh, as you mentioned, is a little 
low on sleep and uh, we're going to let him run at the one hour mark today as we've got a guest jumping on here. So doc final thoughts and shout outs. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys. It was, it was fun. It's always fun. I am literally like sort of dozing off though when I, my mic's on mute. So I'm going to go, I'm probably going to go lay down my hammock for a little while and just sort of enjoy the rest of the evening. Um, it's been a long day, long weekend so far. So I got, um, like I said, at the top of the show, I'm doing a premiere event tomorrow evening, 5 p.m. on the West Coast, 8 p.m. on the East Coast, um, reviewing the Metagross Smart 8 and giving one away during my premiere. And then I'm doing a after interview show with uh, Green Goblin um, about the Smart 8. And we're going to give another one away during that. So two chances to win, double giveaway. And uh yeah, it starts on my YouTube channel tomorrow. So I hope you see a bunch of you guys there and much grow at love. I'll try to get more sleep before coming back next week. Um, so yeah, grow love everyone. Sorry to bail on you early. Enjoyed the conversation. I hope it goes well with the guests this afternoon. Thanks, Jack. Thanks, panel. Thank you. Grow for love, grow love. Thank points. you. Thank you for you joining in for the giveaways. Grow love, doc. Peace yeah. out. I'll try and be there. I got some new people getting started growing that I might gift a grow light too. So uh, more reason to try and get in there, there on these go. great giveaways. Yep. Everybody can do something with a new light. Even if it's just passing it on to your, you know, your grow me friend that doesn't have one. That happens quite a bit, actually. People are like, can you send this to my buddy? So get in there, win a light and be Santa Claus or, you know, get a cool new light for your own grow. Heck yeah. All right. Good stuff, Doc. Have a great one. Guys. Get so much deserved sleep. Week. Have a great one, man. So Jack, if you're out there, I saw you were listening earlier. I sent you the link on Instagram. If you want to go ahead and join, I'll make sure to add you. But uh, it's always good to have Dr. MJ. Shout out to him and CocoForCannabis.com. Great forum over there. A lot of cool people. I see Smart Poker in the chat. I see We Nerd, DWC, a few of the Cocoa for Cannabis regulars and just amazing people. They've got the wrenches next to them. They've uh, been awesome and, and consistent in this community, just being positive, friendly informative to the rest of the community and we appreciate that so much so and and everyone i mean i could read down this whole list for the remaining 58 minutes of the show and just look at all the people in the chat and i'd be like i love this dude i see him at like this show this show and that show and like all you guys and and ladies here it's a pleasure yeah i love seeing the same ones coming back you, you know week after week after week but at the same time i've seen two in there today brand new faces and uh, I'm not going to put them on the spot right now, but uh, I already shouted them out in the chat and it was good to see new people in the chat uh, saying kind things. So it's really, it's really, I really do like seeing new people come in too. And uh, here's my begging for a like, shoot us a like guys. If you're out there, that helps us. <laughs> yeah. If you like this kind of content, it'll help us realize the more thumbs up we get on a Q and a type show. If you're into Q and a shows, it, maybe if you don't like it, I don't even know if there's a thumbs down anymore but there if you don't like it down. don't hit the thumbs at all and then we'll know like hey maybe we want more topics or uh maybe we love the q engagement yeah, is so. engagement tell us yes. how you feel no, honestly <laughs> i think as far as engagement goes up or down it, it counts the same as far as youtube it does indeed yeah. it does so yeah can, i thought they got down. rid of the thumbs down but or maybe they just don't display it the actual like ratings oh, i think that's what it is or maybe past a certain number i forget yeah. things well, are changing every couple of months i prefer YouTube, honesty so. like some of our you know exactly. criticism. I, I think i can hear spartan better this week i don't know if you got a new mic or if he changed his mic location no, I, changed, I moved it i put it right in front of my face i'm like it's right can, can you see it at the bottom of my screen yeah, yeah. that it's little right blue there. circle I yeah see the top of it yeah so it's right in front of my face i can't i'm trying to do everything i can to... 
the people it appreciate it, it. Honestly, but especially the podcast listeners out there who might have one headphone in at work, like a little earbud, and mm-hmm. even at max capacity, full volume on their phone. My phone says like, if you're listening past at like eight out of ten, it'll be like warning hearing damage at high levels of volume yes, but i still yes. click through it and sometimes i still have a hard time here and not even just on our show on other shows so i do know that it, it makes a, a difference for people out there who are trying to educate themselves and learn all the good knowledge spartan you have tons of it being a longtime caregiver there in michigan having extensive experience in the commercial cultivation setting uh, at a fairly successful operation i would say and just love your perspective in general so we're always happy to have you but with that said JP from NB just joined the chat. Uh, I was calling you Jack earlier. I might have uh, read out your Instagram name that you were DMing me from. There was no post on there, so I didn't feel like I was doxing you too hard, but welcome, JP. Greetings, everyone. It's JP from NB. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you now. Yeah, loud, loud and clear. Sounds good. Good to meet you. Perfect. All right. Yeah, I, uh, nice to meet you guys. Yeah, I just, uh, I'm a longtime listener from Canada and I just wanted to give a shout out to the boy. I wanted to jump on and show uh, you can dial in a cheap home grow without a lot of money and, you know, get yourself some medicine for the year and uh, work Zoom or anything. So I don't know how to flip the screen on. So I don't know if Jack can pull up my video so I can show you guys. Yeah, it's good yeah, to see you. I'm in the woods, man. I'm I'm in Michigan. I'm in. I like to say I'm close to Canada. I'm I'm like Canada Junior. So, can you guys see the uh, video? Hey, well, we like our Nate. Oh, there. Here we go. We got the video. Oh yeah. Okay, so this I got a bunch of guys from California. So that's my all gas OG from uh, Humboldt Seed, I believe, with Nat Pennington there. So I clean. You can see I clean up. Oh, nice! I like good on him there. Yep, I like that. Kind of like Spart. I know Spart. I've heard Spartan say he does that, and that's my blueberry muffin. And I got another blueberry muffin right there, and it's the same nice. thing. I kind of like go in there and clean the skirts up a little bit, like keep the tops. You know, every, yep. just a bit below the trellis. I keep going, and then everything above the trellis. Like I don't really mess with that. And then uh, I think the video stopped on my feet. I don't know if it did over for you guys. But then I have a little smaller plant over here, too. Oh, yeah, this guy right here. Yep. And that's, I ended up having a male go in there. So that's kind of why she's not really dialed in. So that's a tangy I got from a guy. And it's, uh, it's just some random bag seed. He knew the grower back in the day and all this and said it was, you know, it's fire and this and that. So I figured I'd give her a shot. But this is really the first time I've been growing some really high class genetics. And I'm kind of excited some uh california ladies down in nb yeah i will say all gas og is one of my favorite smokes also called venom og from uh humboldt seed company hsc nat pennington over there doing a great job you've also got his blueberry muffin which i'd say is his flagship strain i'm really showing the video because it was a relatively short one and i just want the people to be able to see your garden it looks awesome dude yeah thanks brother got it set up man I got some nice big stocks on them already. Are you an ACMPR? JP? Are you part of the ACMPR in Canada? I think we lost him. I think we we did. He dropped out. His connection was a little bit... um, He's joining us again, admit. Um, I didn't notice there was... 
when he first started talking, I think he started right when I introduced him, but then it just took a second to, uh, oh, damn, he's actually out there. I think, I think we're getting live feed now. Yeah. There you go. Sorry, guys. Yeah. I actually, I, yeah, I'm, I'm technologically challenged. Boy, sorry about that. So, yeah, I, when I first talked to you earlier, Jack, I thought it was going to be way too dark, but like you can see different in the picture. Like, I don't know how many new growers are out there, but they can posture totally different in the evening time. Like, it almost looks like she's thirsty, but I even, yeah. I even, I even gave them a little bit of water because like they, they were, they were praying a little bit, but they weren't praying as hard as I thought they were. So it's like, ah, oh, maybe, you know, it hasn't rained in a couple of days here. I figured I'd bit feed i gave them some oyster shell flour a little bit of kelp meal um i gave them i think a little bit of rock dust and something else i can't remember right now i just watered that in and then yeah i got all these wood chips down here so i bought a little electric wood chipper that was something i kind of splurged on for the garden this year and that cost me like 180 bucks but i was able just to get all the wood like i took all my cannabis stock from previous grows i like and that. like i got to my cool. neighbors to he, yeah i heard well Leighton morrison or somebody i think it was on shango's podcast and they were talking about they there's these fields and they were burning all their cannabis stock and they were they were like you know it's you know maybe they were using for biochar or something i'm not entirely sure i didn't i didn't catch the whole thing but just the idea that it's nice to kind of put that back in the soil and i took some other like i have some maples and stuff around the house and some pines my neighbors kind of like hooked me up with some you know tiny sticks right it's just a little electric wood chipper like it's i think it says it can do inch and a half but it can only really do like inch inch wood chips oh. but i kind of like that any anyways because i don't, yeah, I don't really want to have anyway. yeah that's kind of what i'm thinking i feel like it's maybe maybe i'm wrong but i think it's easier for the soil to kind of work through that and the microbes to kind of I agree. Yeah, I think thing. you're right. Yeah. I don't think you're wrong. I think you're right. Finer is easier for anything. It, the finer you break it down, the easier it is for the soil to break it or take it up, essentially. Yeah, I kind of feel it's almost like it's being micronized in one sense, where it's like it's just so much, it's a smaller piece of wood to work with or material to work with. And like you're saying, it's just kind of easier to digest and process and work through. Yeah, it's Water more surface area. That's what it is. It's more surface area so that there's more edges for the microbes to work on to break that shit down. And especially as a ratio of how much volume it is, right? So like that even that gets more true the smaller it is, anyways, right? It's less uh, less force, less power to dissolve. I will, yeah. I, yeah, I've heard that pine. You want to be a little bit careful with if you go too heavy with the pine, it doesn't like to uh, have competing crops grow around it, so it might. It's kind of acidic a little bit. Yeah, it can, it can cause some issues. But I think if you compost it first, like um, if you wood chipped it and then threw it in your compost pile or something, that might be a way if you have a compost pile. I think you mentioned in your messages to me that you do use compost as part of your way of feeding the plants and part of the cheap home grow style. You're, you're 100% right. Yeah, I threw I, I splurged the 60 bucks and bought local compost this year and just kind of threw that. Like, you know, it was like roughly a yard. And I put that on top of it and then came in afterwards and uh, put the wood chips on it. And then I put, well, no, pardon me. I planted, I planted the, every, the garden first and then I kind of let it do its thing for like two weeks and didn't, didn't add any amendments or anything like that. Just let them kind of dial in and like feel out their situation sort of thing. And uh, after that, I came in with the wood chips and I started amending and uh, I've done, I think two top dresses, maybe three. So I haven't really put, a lot of inputs into this too which is kind of nice and i got uh, i was lucky my buddy made a, a lab 
and he had some uh, inoculated, I want to say like brain or something. I'm not sure, but he used like EM one and he's, he's very much the same mentality as, as myself and a lot of everyone here on the panel and the listeners, like, you know, trying to do it cheap if we can. So I got some of that from him and put that on there. And uh, yeah, no, just trying to keep it cheap. That's awesome. That's going to help break down those wood chips, man. So that's cool. Yeah. You've done everything right. It sounds like, man. No, thanks. Really appreciate it. And I, I did have, ask a question and I, and I didn't tag anybody because I'm new to the chat and stuff, but I was wondering, see, so I took that lab, right? And I kind of gave it a soil drench on here. And I'm wondering what kind of difference would there be if I bubbled that? Like if I aerated that for 24 to 48 hours, is that going to basically give me, because it's going to be like the same facultative anaerobes that i've been working with or am i gonna like well, it's not gonna be anaerobic. see it's not gonna be so much an anaerobe anymore if you start pumping a bunch of oxygen through there you want you want to keep it in an anaerobic okay. environment so that you can kind of breed it in that environment right so that, so that it can when it finds anaerobic anaerobic pockets in the soil it's gonna take over and help break that, those up for you right okay so i wouldn't really be getting i'm not i wouldn't be using the input correctly if say if i were to like like you know, I'm almost trying to think of giving it as a different input in one sense where it's one version of it's not aerated and one version is, but maybe that's not the right logic with that. Yeah, I wouldn't do the, I wouldn't aerate the labs. I don't think that's, uh, okay, that's good. I don't think it's necessary. Yeah. Well, we were talking last week, oxygen changes the pH. pH is really important for some of these microbes and, um, especially with like fac faculative uh, anaerobes, the things that help things work in anaerobic environments like i think you got to kind of look at it as like a tool in your tool belt that is very good at a specific thing and if you start aerating it then it it might work for something else but more than likely it's it's going to change the levels that you want and the mix that you want it's a specific consortium that's tried and true and as soon as you start pumping oxygen into there you're potentially going to start killing off some of them and get the ratios maybe out of whack and make it instead of em1 just sort of whatever uh, cocktail is left behind yeah, no, that, that does, that does seem to make perfect sense. And I'm really glad I didn't do it yet, but I did want to ask the question just in, just in case maybe I was going to land a different host of uh, beneficial organisms or something. Maybe that was going to play that to my advantage, but I'm, I'm you're not off track because people ask me all the time um, if they want to, let's say buy X micro product and they hear that people brew them and make their own and do things like that. So they're like, can't I brew this myself and make more? So I buy a little bit of EM and then I pump, you know, and then make a vat over here. And then I've just got unlimited EM for the rest of my life. And, um, EM, you can't, <laughs> that pretty much you can. They have that directions right on their website to, to, or at least to expand it. Like, I think you can take a, was it a pint or a quart and make it into a gallon. And, so, um, a little bit of sugar. It, it'll, it'll dilute a certain amount, but if you expand it, properly over time but ultimately all these companies keep selling more and more bottles because people want the pure first time unfucked with you know from the company good quality stuff because they found for whatever reason their kitchen or garage or bathroom that they keep the stuff in is not the you know scientific maybe environment that some of these companies are going through the process of every time the same temperature, every time the same yeah. mix is put in there, they have an SOP where we're kind of just shooting from the hip and, and hoping. Yeah. That's a great point, Jack, because not only that, but also like if you're throwing it in a five gallon bucket and just brewing it, you know, what would you call it? Indigenous, you know, um, microbes are, can jump in, right. And, and start colonizing in there as well. And 
And now you're not really sure, you know, what you put in, you know, those microbes are there, but who knows what other microbes you're picking up and which ones, and depending on how long you're brewing it, which ones take over and which ones are going to be the ones that you're actually applying in the end. So when you do these, I'm usually, I hate to be anti things, but uh, I'm usually anti brewing teas because unless you have a way to check your work, like if you're scoping it or something and, and you're training that, but, uh, because you, then, it's, it's just, it's yeah, you just don't know what the hell you're doing. Like, I would rather just do a soak, like a, what they call like a tea without aeration. Extract, um, like a worm cast. Do extract. Shake it for a few minutes to get there. Yeah, because then you, you know at least what your input is and your expert, you know, but you don't, I don't like brewing over time, you know, with uh, with air and then who knows what you're getting. I, I just, I know I've had some good results doing it. I just don't, it's just risky, I think. Yeah, I've only had good results doing it for, so it's kind of counterintuitive that I do recommend against it because um, I guess sort of like there's an example of a whiskey maker who owned an old building where they made their whiskey and their like finest bottle, their top, top shelf was coming out of this old refinery that they've had for a hundred years or something like that. And they tried to buy a new one to expand so they could make more product. Well, even just going down the street in the same city, their microbe climate was different. The whiskey was coming out with a different taste. It was noticeable, especially to these really high, high end clientele who can nose it and tell you right away, oh, this is this whiskey from this person from this year. They know that stuff. So subtle little nuances like that make a difference. And I've seen it. Um, I was watching some of these like rise of fast food where they were trying to get like pizza to be consistent in every single city, whether it was Domino's or Pizza Hut. And they trying to just get the dough because the moisture levels, the temperatures throughout different seasons, every single different city. So to make like a McDonald's of pizza was actually really difficult because getting that dough recipe where it could be the same in uh, Michigan as it is in Florida was really difficult. So those are some things that we kind of have to consider that we might not really have much control over unless you want to go to the level of making a sterile room where you know, okay, I'm entering with X product and I'm going to specifically take the time to scientifically do this and, and multiply it. But at the end of the day, it's probably cheaper just to buy it from people who already have those things set up. Um, and, and not to say that you shouldn't try and make your own EM. I would say try it if you can to um, extend it in, in one way or another. If they've already given a, a concoction, I mix up so many of these things because for a few years I was running a greenhouse kind of taught by a guy who had the little um, book for Korean natural farming and then he switched to Jodam. So we were doing a lot of these different FPJ uh, and whatever. So I would just throw this stuff on at the rates he told me. And I'd, I'd see him do this stuff, but I never quite like took notes. And I haven't gone back to relearn it or reread the actual books themselves. So a lot of these things can work. And a lot of these things can be made extremely low cost. So I do advocate that people look more into it if it's something that you're interested in. But um, there are also options out there to kind of get it at a semi-reasonable rate. Don't get the cannabis tax if you're paying like, 50, 60, however many bucks per bottle, uh, it can be time to reconsider and try and maybe stretch it then. Yeah. What does EMA even go for? I, don't, I hate to be a shill for Brandon's products, but I use Microbe Plus products and, uh, or Bokashi Earthworks, I should say, and his products, in my opinion, are very reasonable. So yeah. uh, J, JP, what in Canada, especially, I feel like it's really hard to get microbes up there. So I'm one, even curious how, how it got yeah. up there. Uh, but two, uh, how's it working and how much did it cost your buddy or you to get that bottle? Uh, honestly, you guys can still hear me now. Can you? Yes. Yep. Oh. 
Well, we did. Now we don't hear you anymore. You muted yourself. Sorry, boys. Technologically challenged. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, so, yeah. Honestly, it's really, it's from my perspective, it seems very hard to find a company that has good microbes. Like I actually messaged Brandon uh, to try to see if I could get his, his formulas and his carbon uh, based fertilizers down here. And uh, it's my understanding you can't get them here yet. And I was trying to actually get uh, fish brew. Uh, I hear Leighton Morrison talk about it a bunch, and he talks about using it for uh, inoculants on compost and things like that. I think he used it for even for remediation. And I contacted them, and they told me they don't they don't deal in Canada yet. So for us, it's really it seems like it's hard to find a company like. And to be fair, maybe you guys, real you guys are like the Americans. You guys are amazing at publicizing and blowing stuff up. Like the Super Bowl is amazing. You know what I mean? So it's like maybe a lot of that's hype and no one's hyping as much in Canada, but the stuff that I'm interested in, that's like being almost marketed to me through some of these podcasts and stuff like that. Like we can't, it doesn't seem to me like we can get access to that. If I could, I, I would love to use some of that stuff, but I really don't feel like it's available to me. And I don't feel like there's like, if I go to my local store, there's not really, you know, it's a lot of salt-based fertilizer and there's some dry amendments and there's like some fish shit and stuff like that. But I don't feel like there's much for culture. Fish shit's just as good as the fish brew. I'll say that. The if it's coming out and fish shit, the product I've used it myself, I love it. Good microbes. Um, I'll say basically any reputable microbe product that you can get in there. Not not that all of them are going to be great, but in my experience, and I've seen a lot of other people use it with lots of success. And what I know about tilapia and their you know digestive system and what they're being fed their microbe and the reason that the fish brew is so popular as well the aquatic microbiome is much more diverse and much broader than the land-based i guess from what the researchers are pointing out so like aquaponic grows and, and people that use these inputs have more diverse microbes in their soil now is that always going to be for the good up for debate you know some people want a more diverse microbiome because let's say, you know, X, Y, or Z happens, then if they have that specific microbe, that niche little microbe that can release something to the plant that it needs, whether it's water or a nutrient or whatever, uh, helping it work in a dry pocket, like there's all these weird little niche things that different microbes can do. Um, having a, a diverse amount, you're more likely to have maybe that one who can step up in that moment. Uh, but there's also something to be said about having like a good troop of, you know, ones that you know, specifically are like trichoderma is, is good for fighting off a bunch of things. And one that I think is available in Canada is recharge, which seed person one just asked a question uh, about recharge related. Um, I'll talk a little bit about general recharge, but theirs is actually related to another real growers product, the grow dots time release fertilizer. And they're saying that it works with uh, in tandem with recharge and recharge is kind of like a dry powdered microbe consortium of sorts um, where they've got a mix of a bunch of different things from I think mycorrhizal to trichoderma and uh, cocktail of things that they found to be beneficial i think there's like b vitamins and stuff in there even i think spartan might know a little bit more i can probably pull up the label and give you the amino acids there's uh there's a sugar source i think it's brown sugar um there's um no i'm drawing blanks the, the, where you said the micro consortium uh the one that I like the best is they have a trichoderma and a bacillus subtilis combo, which has been shown to help um, with resistance to PM, which is fucking cool for outdoor stuff. 
Um, it's not like an, any any future. It's no proof thing, but it does help, I guess. I'm and, seeing bacillus, uh, megatherium, kelp, molasses, humic acid. And then the, that's the big one, the humic and fumic fulvic acids in there is going to help um, make any nutrient you have in there kind of uh, help chelate it, help it make it more plant available. And you guys are saying that is available in Canada? I don't, I'm, I'm pretty sure he, he went through the... Okay. Oh. Yeah. Okay, like I'll take I'll take I'll take a look tonight because I, I never heard of recharge before. But if that's uh, if that's something that's available to me, and you guys are saying it has, There's you know, you're saying it has a consortium. Yeah. Well, I, I'm okay. I don't, as long as it's like like I kind of try to do like little living soil probiotic, like myself. Like I don't like like not super hard and set on it. Like I don't really add bottled nutrients per se. But as long as it's like organic based, I, I have no problem using that as an input. And I'd I'd love to land a host of beneficial organisms in there for sure i don't know if he's gone through the just, organic labeling process but to my knowledge most of those inputs are organic maybe the humic acids might not be but um i've used it a bunch of times with organic soils and and had good results i'm not like shilling this product or paid by them or anything i get the tiniest little like sample packets because i have such a small garden you can use a tiny bit of it at a time you can either water it in or just put it directly into the soil like during a transplant but um yeah, I can't really speak negatively of it, um, other than maybe availability and price for some people, depending on how much it costs for you to get it. But I'm a big advocate for different beneficial microbes with cultivating cannabis, whichever one you can get. If there's decent research behind it, which most of these products that we've listed, I think have at least yeah. some. But then there's like mycorrhizal induced uh, susceptibility, like Matthew's talked about, where even like the things that I thought of for the longest time, like mycorrhizal, I'm like, you just think it's, it's so positive always in, in my connotation. And most growers, I think might think that way, but there are instances where it might make your plant more susceptible to uh, disease or pests. Yeah. I think I've heard Matt say on a couple episodes before where he was like a symbiotic relationship basically doesn't necessarily mean that's mutualistic or beneficial. Like even if you look at venom, like he, that's portrayed as a symbiote and maybe I'm misunderstanding and Matt can, can correct me, but that's kind of the thing in nature is just because they're, they're tied together doesn't mean it's necessarily a good thing. And there's usually an exchange, whether it's perceived beneficial for the two, the two things or not is kind of questionable, I think. And Matt, Matt, please correct me if I'm I like wrong. That. I like, I like what you're saying. I definitely agree with that perspective. Um, that's kind of how I, how I look at it. Cause you know, even if it's a mutualistic relationship, like there's a resource exchange that's happening and there's modulations to the expression of genes in a lot of cases and hormones and that kind of stuff. Um, and like a lot of times those can have like some generally benign effects, but in certain contexts that can be really unhelpful. I was just reading a paper uh, yesterday about um uh, heat resistance and plants and how for a lot of plants and especially in model plants like Arabidopsis, once you go over a certain temperature, uh, salicylic acid pathways, which is a, one of the major two, there's more, but one of the two biggest ones um, for immune system response, uh, it, it gets severely wrecked, basically. Um, so like in some cases that's going to override your biology, for example, or vice versa, or, or, you know, sometimes even the good guys don't play nice together. That's the other thing. So you got to know, I think diversity is usually, it can, it can trend towards good, but 
um, there might be a way to optimize that diversity. Is that almost similar in a sense where it's like sometimes I've heard people say, and maybe I'm misunderstanding this, but it's like if you introduce biochar and you introduce too much of it sometimes and you land all these, uh, I'm not sure exactly what's being housed in there. I guess it's causing it, but my understanding is all the organ or the beneficial organisms might not work for the plant so much. They might just house up on the biochar and they're quite satisfied just to stay there and not really work for you anymore and not really benefit your plant. They just kind of come in there and almost, if you overdo it, it's almost detriment. I don't and know. I think please it, correct me if I'm wrong too. It, on that. I, don't, I actually don't know. Um, I, it could be like, the thing is that usually, well, I guess it gets to another layer of complexity, right? Because um, a lot of these microbes, whether they're a parasite, so mostly negative interaction, um, or uh, like a beneficial, a mutualist, a mostly positive interaction, uh, a lot of times they're like obligate in some way. Like they have to, like a big part of their life cycle is like geared towards this, but sometimes they're kind of like, they could take it or leave it. They're facultative. And, um, you know, from that perspective, it's like, if you have these things on the biochar and they're not interested in the plant interaction, you know, were they ever like, um you know are they the correct uh trait group do they even interact with plants what is the thing that they're doing that's beneficial to the plant is it because it's got this close relationship where it like exchanges nutrients or something like this or is it kind of like doing good stuff around the plant and then that helps the plant out right like what is the level of intimacy of that relationship so it's a bunch of ben there's a bunch of beneficials out there that are beneficial not because they have a close relationship with the plant but because they do things that help out the plant kind of indirectly i think there's still i mean i don't want to say the jury's out on biochar but there's still a lot of still a lot to be seen on what is the correct application and and like you're saying is what's the over application what's the under application what you know there's a lot of still what ifs um, people are like the organics. I love the organic side of things because people just say, fuck it, I'm going to do it. And then we have some of that going on and, you know, citizen scientists, right. They're trying to figure it out on their own and it's fun to, to do that. But at the same time, we can't really draw much from that other than I guess we could say anecdotally, we know that, you know, this, this, and this. I can grow in one third biochar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So somebody will push it, right? Like the next one is going to be just, yeah, it's something that we're going to find out. It's, it's going to, that's what makes this shit so exciting is we're on kind of the cutting edge of it, playing with all this stuff. I will say, I've seen bad biochar or like stuff that's not charged or basically just like charcoal or burnt wood. It has to be burnt in a certain type of way. They make these little cans that I think it has to like have oxygen or not oxygen available in the environment i can't remember which one it is but if you look into it there's a certain way that you have to burn the wood you can't just like go take firewood out of a campfire i like um, to say that you remember um i don't know if you can burn a lot of firewood but uh, you know how sometimes when you have the firewood and the little things flake off and it's almost glass-like it's super light and it's i don't know it's hard to describe other than it's like a crystalline uh, resin not resin it's like chunks of the wood but it just never burned all the way through it's just all like black and then when you go to pick it up it doesn't feel like wood because it's like feels like nothing no no weight and that that's that's more of what your what your biochar should be like that kind of material i know what you're talking about now yeah <clears throat> it's like it burns towards the bottom usually where it's not getting a lot of oxygen and it's yeah it's just like 
it doesn't burn all the way through and you're just left with like this shell of, of wood or something it almost feels like a like a hollow bone or something <laughs> yeah like yeah and then when you well, the reason i say it reminds me of glasses if you hit them together it sounds almost like glass i was almost wondering if it could have been crystallized resin when you're talking about that because i have seen it where it gets like a hard literally glass looking chunk and maybe there was some resin in the wood that when it struck heat just sheened over or something like oh, that yeah that would but be. uh the general wood itself kind of has that weird texture and, and i've never thought of to knock them together but yeah it's the bonfires are definitely interesting and the biochar can be really good like if you run through a compost pile first i think that you're pretty confident that it's going to be inoculated with your local compost and, and the microbes that are within that and it might break it down a little bit more to make it you know, more available if it's going to break down at all. Maybe you're using it for aeration or just the, you know, motel for the microbes. Like I've heard some people describe it as, but it's that definitely an interesting one. Jack. That right there is important. Inoculate it. If you have a known source, like if you had some recharge or you had something that's a known beneficial to the plant microbe labs, you can make that. You can look that up on YouTube. There's a million videos on it. Make some lactobacillus and then uh, soak your, your biochar in that. That way it's going to establish, and you know, that you got some good microbes there, right? And then, then apply that. If you don't have some kind of microbe source there, it's going to kind of suck away the ones in the soil. They're going to kind of run to it. And that might cause some issues for a while until they can repopulate. So I would uh, definitely inoculate it first. A lot of these biochar products come pre-inoculated now, though. I will say, uh, not to skip over or go back too far, but um, when we we're talking about the beneficials, like microbes, we nerd DWC, who I believe is a Canadian, I could be wrong on that, says, I use Aquascape pond bennies. So like for pond beneficial microbes, and he says way cheaper and also probably available in Canada. So just a note there, uh, JP, oh. if you're curious about that one. And then we've got uh, Georgia Grow Guy at, says, don't beneficials shit all over your plants. Do you need to wash them before harvest? Now he's talking about beneficial insects not beneficial microbes, but even beneficial microbes would have some I've seen effect. people say it for both. I've seen people even mention that for microbes. Yeah, like it, it gets on the, uh, you know, phylosphere, I think is what it's called above the plant. And so the microbes go from the soil up the stalk around the leaves and especially some people foliar right on to the plant. So they're going to be on there as well. And how long do they stick around? How potentially dangerous are they? Is it better to have them nothing or potentially uh, risky ones? I'll pass that to Matthew and let you answer both for insects insects first i think because the answer when you first told me kind of surprised me and then second you can go into the actual like microbes yeah so um there's a lot of research that goes into biocontrols and and their um their licensure and your ability to use them commercial ones right anyways i mean certainly you could like find a couple of bugs or something like that and put them in your garden but um and a big part of that there's two really important things. Um, of course, after the fact that they're actually very aggressive towards a particular target, uh, that's an agricultural pest, usually people are looking for them to be limited in scope um, because that makes them like you know less likely to attack other things that are non-targets, maybe even important to the environment. Um, that's for microbes or for other beneficials. The other one is, of course, if they're going to have some sort of negative effect to your own crop. Uh, usually when we're thinking about this, we're thinking of like, like a is a, is a hemeterin. So it is a 
sapsucker uh, or from the sapsucker group, but there are some predatory ones out there. And sometimes um, they'll go after like fruits. And so you'll get a little bit of premature fruit drop and things like that in certain crops. And that's not so, you know, not a huge amount compared to what they're killing, but you know, it's, it's a factor and people know about it. I bring all of this up to say that, um, you know, obviously public health is an important part of that as well. And there aren't any biocontrols that have these sorts of uh, negative effects. And even in the case of like with cannabis, because um, most predatory like insects or even like the mites, the, like, it sounds weird to say, I mean, it's just some arcane esoterica about their physiology, but like, it's usually like insects tend to, um, they volatize off part of their, what we would use like as excrement. So like we have, we have solid and liquid, right? So they have, if they do have any, they'll, there'll be a solid and a liquid component and they don't do it the way that we do. Um, and as far as the mice, which I think are a lot more common, especially in cannabis, like the cucumers and swirskii and persimilis and that kind of a thing, um, they actually produce these like, uh, like crystals. <laughs> I know it sounds weird to say it like that. Um, uh, and like nitrogenous like volatilizations that uh, they don't pass any sort of pathogens. And um, they're very extensively looked at to see if they could actually do something like that. There's no example of that that I'm familiar with. Um, Cause I have asked this question of many people and apparently it doesn't really exist, but I will say this though. Um, I did kind of share it on cheap home grow in the, in the past that um, there was a paper that I read about how people who were applying biocontrols, I think this was in the Netherlands or it might've been in. Um, it was the Netherlands, the greenhouse study where they have like the allergy. Yes, that's right. Good memory. So these people who were applying them, um, some people had a, had a sensitive reaction to, to them. Uh, some people developed antibodies to the, the fragments, I guess you could say, um, from maybe the brand that they were applying and other things like that, uh, but had no symptoms of anything. Some people had like a hay fever reaction, if I remember correctly. Um, or maybe like, just like basically kind of like, uh, not a hay fever, but like, um, I think I'm really trying to describe like a dry cough and that kind of a thing, kind of like an allergic reaction, a mild one. Um, but once they like, you know, showered and, you know, kind of got rid of it, got away from it, like, you know, their symptoms went away. But I think it's important to note that all kinds of people are different. And some people have even had, like, if they have an, an immuno, uh, repressive, uh, immune system, if their immune system is compromised in some way, um, they, I, I've read reports of Bouveria bastiana infecting them even. And there's also, if, if you uh, care to look it up, it's probably good that you don't, but um, fusariosis, fusarial diseases that we're familiar with, with uh, plants, those also can infect animals and also people, um, oftentimes the eye actually. But I think this is usually in cases where people are severely malnutritioned and things like that, malnourished. So, and also um, on that note with like uh, microbes, uh, aspergillosis is a big concern that um, I've become more aware of thanks to people like, um, like uh, Kevin McKernan or medicinal genomics. 
um you know and also the problem is that like plating doesn't really help you out with the uh, with looking at microbes that are actually a problem for people versus like thank doing you. things thank like thank you for bringing that up matthew you're very welcome yeah no it's 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 uh you know pcr tests qpcr tests and things like that actually allow you to know what the microbes actually are um because you know you can have like a bazillion you can have like a bunch of bazillion is not a technical term i should use here but there are cases where the microbes are essentially identical like we said last week i was talking about uh gene transfer i think um either here or somewhere else but um yeah like sometimes like bad genes that induce bad traits in the microbe can be swapped right and so like you don't know necessarily that's going to happen here um and you can't really tell the difference on plate you know you'll, you'd know because they'd have the gene right or, or you'd know they're part of a species or a subtype that has that or something like that so not to bogart too often but yeah that's a and the important thing about that matthew is is there's actual legitimate fucking commercial entities here in michigan lobby they, they lobbied the 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 labs lobbied the government and got the rule changed to change it to a plating so now they're just doing plate fucking uh tests rather than the pcr because that's way fucking cheaper to do a plate test than a fucking pcr test and and that's fucking at the risk of public health it's it's hilarious i totally agree and also like uh and like again with the aspergillosis um it's like uh People who are growing, they think like, oh, I grow clean, I grow nice, I wear all, I do all the things that I'm supposed to do, I'm vigilant. Um, and like, that's not always enough. I'm, you know, I'm not saying that like everyone who home grows has to like go buy a QPCR machine and become a molecular biologist. But um, I guess what I'm trying to say is that like, it's possible for these contaminations to happen. And perhaps in a commercial setting that might be easier or maybe harder, depending on your SOPs and things like that. Um, I don't know. It's a thing that we should acknowledge. Like, you know, it's like with hot plate and viroid, like, are we just going to say, oh, that's difficult. So I'm just going to not worry about that. <laughs> you know, that's not really yeah, going to help yeah. anyone. Um, but then again, you know, how many people are dying of aspergillosis because of cannabis or how many people are getting even affected? Like, I don't know how much of that research is going on. And I, you know, it'd be nice to see some of that, I guess, to really know. One I look pretty other. hard and I've only seen maybe one or two cases of that actually happening. And the person was extremely, I mean, this is unfortunate. They should have gotten clean cannabis medicine and, and not been exposed to it, but they were extremely, uh, impacted yeah they were a pre-existing condition i guess is like the new term that floats around they had a bunch of conditions that made their health you know their uh, immune system was compromised they had a lot of lung problems already so when they were not smoking they were vaporizing on top of it which oh. there is a distinction some of these things actually do get burnt off when you smoke it some of them don't uh, but vaporization does not get hot enough to burn any of the stuff off, especially aspergillus. And aspergillus is extremely dangerous to those types of populations. I don't know what it would be like to someone like me who's young and fairly healthy. I've smoked white powdery mildew. <laughs> like, unfortunately, it, it tastes disgusting. It, at the end of the day, it wasn't pleasant for me, but like, it got my wife super sick. She threw up and had a headache for multiple days. But like Matthew and I smoked the same thing and neither of us really had 
uh, crazy reaction other than just like, no, I guess that's kind of gross. Like I don't want to smoke any more of that shit. <laughs> so, uh, but with that said, um, not the best note to end on for Spartan growing, but I want to pass it to Spartan so you can get your final thoughts and shout it in before you have to take care of the dogs and get ready for the Michigan bros grow show. Man, I swear they can fucking get, they know your little cadence when you say it because they both just got up and they're standing right here getting ready to go out this door. But no, shout out guys. It's, uh, it's always awesome hanging with everybody. And uh, shout out chat. Chat was pretty fucking popping today. And I saw a lot of new faces even more after I'd already mentioned it earlier, more popped in and said hello. So that's great. People feel free to use that chat. We use it ourselves a lot to help drive these shows. And that's why we're here. And that's what we enjoy uh, going out and, and even maybe bumping into you out and at these events and stuff like I went to today. So um, you can follow me over in about 15 minutes to the Michigan Bros Grow Show. It's our third year anniversary, so that ought to be a pretty cool show. Uh, several different uh, groups of us were at different events, so it, it's going to be fun just for me to catch up and see how their events went as opposed to the one I went to, and it'll be cool to uh, just hear about uh, everybody's day. So see you guys over there. Much love, and uh, yeah, I'll be over there in about 15 minutes. Peace out, Spartan. Congrats on the anniversary there. Yeah, thanks, man. Always love. It goes by fast when you're not even thinking about it. And they're saying three years. I'm like, damn, three years already. It's amazing, man. It's been a great ride. I've been enjoying. I, I always joke that I'm a super fan of the Michigan Bros Grow Show. I've listened and watched all the podcasts. And I've, I've seen your guys' journeys. And it's really incredible to watch where all of you have come, like, seeing yourself, seeing Red, seeing, uh, you know, every, every, I can't, I'll forget too many names, but yeah. Dan <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, the host sequence and, and uh, my boy Skilbo. There's just so many good people over there. I literally cannot wait till I get out to Michigan because I know I'm going to have a great time. Yeah, man. It's like a big family, man. And, and we just try to include everybody and it grows. You know, if you just come at it with love, you, it just seems to work out. It might not be the best thing in the world or the, the most fancy thing, but it's the, to me, it's where I want to be. You guys are growing dank. I got one question before you go. That's Michigan related. What is that Y city? It looks like Y is plenty or something. Yes, plenty. Ypsilanti. I actually lived there Ypsilanti. for a while. Yep. Ypsilanti over there by Ann Arbor. Yeah. That's my old stomping grounds. Not quite the best reputation anymore. In fact, they call it little Detroit. So <laughs> something. it's, it's Not, where Domino's pizza started. Apparently I was watching some. Yes. Yep, oh, well, there you go. That explains it a lot. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that tells you, yeah. That tells you <laughs> 30 minutes or less. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you later. And I got to get out of here. I got to go bathroom myself. All right, have a good one, Spartan. Grow his love. Peace out. Peace out, Spartan. Always great having Spartan on. Amazing dude. Uh, Pleasure to have him on this panel. And it's cool to see that the Michigan Bros Grow Show uh, is coming up to their three years. We passed it a little while ago. They were one of the shows that was inspired by the old host uh, of the Sheep Home Grow, Shane. Shout out to him. He did an amazing job getting myself and so many others. Spartan, uh, everybody on this panel. (laughs) Uh, For the most part, I think Matthew is already doing YouTube, but I think everybody else here was... uh, dragged into the cannabis online scene by our former host so i'm forever grateful for him and uh, grateful for everybody who shows up each week in the live chat like spartan said we got a lot of new faces this week and we've got a lot of the returners which i'm always grateful for both it's honestly kind of mind-blowing to think that there's literally new people every single week like brand new names and faces that have never seen or heard the show and they're coming in three plus years you know we're 173 episodes in or 172 whatever it is and I'm still having a great time doing this. I, I really enjoy everybody's company and uh, I'm thankful for all you guys on the panel. So with that said, I want to pass it to Noah the Groa and just get a little uh, update, see how you're doing over there. I know that sometimes you show off the garden at this time of the show. And even if you're not in there, just uh, love to hear 
how's life in uh, the garden going? Life in the garden is going good. Um, I got a, one of my plants, I got to harvest tomorrow, my overflow. I probably could have done it today, but I'm going to do that. And then I got to flip a couple more plants in there and if that light, take some clones. So the next 24, 48 hours, they're going to be, uh, you know, that's where the, the work comes. But if uh, you want to be a cannabis farmer, sometimes you have to be cannabis farming. So I got that on my plate. And uh, it, it, it it's it's kind of peaceful for me, you know. I would just usually listen to podcasts and just chill and, uh, you know, get into a groove. And, you know, I'm pretty good at going through and doing it and getting everything ready. So, yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at. I got some, some new stuff coming out of my bedroom. And I actually have been just kind of so busy. I haven't even posted Instagram in like the last month or so. I need to do that. And, uh, maybe I'll take a picture of this overflow and uh, post it before I harvest it tomorrow. Yeah, that's pretty much what I'm doing right now. And I'm, I am thinking about walking out there right now. I'm watching my dog here, but uh, I am going to go out there, I think, here in a few minutes. So. Cool stuff, man. Well, whenever, whenever you do get in there, I'll make sure to spotlight you. And uh, Tao, Sweet. anything crazy going on in New York during 710? You're stuck uh, on me. Yeah, no, I didn't. Not that I know of. I really didn't. I don't seek out events around here yet. Anyway, but there is. There's... Um, I've noticed a whole bunch that are uh, uh, popping up, but New York had, did just say they're going to start uh, busting chops on all the, uh, you know, buy a t-shirt, get an ounce for free type. Uh, there's actually retail stores that open up and they're going to start, yeah, busting uh, unlicensed retailers, or so they say, because like, they're going to try and start um, letting the, the real ones open up now, so then the people will get confused and go into the unpermitted shops and have to go through the same bullshit that we've dealt with here in California, unfortunately, where you can go into what you feel like and looks like a legal shop. You're going to buy stuff with cash and then fucking people raid the shop and you might even get arrested. So uh, it's always good advice to check out the pop brothers at law who recommend to shut the fuck up and, you know, know your fifth amendment and uh, don't self-incriminate. Uh, regardless of what you're there for, it's not the best to uh, talk to the police in those circumstances. So try and stay out of trouble, stay out of jail. Even if you think that you're at a legal shop, sometimes uh, the non-permitted ones do a great job of masquerading as permitted. And uh, with new times, it can be a struggle. I will say even the unpermitted shops, as much as the NYPD or whoever else, DEA, try to shut them down, just like out here, they're just going to pop back up. So hopefully they'll realize it's a failed war and just try and get the tax money they can out of the legal ones, I guess. And uh, the people in the unregulated market are going to keep doing what they've been doing for the last hundred years of prohibition. And uh, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of weird. The mayor, I think it's the mayor now. Yeah. It doesn't, he actually made a statement. I'm not concerned about gray market marijuana sales, but other people. And now like, yeah, that, you know, other people are getting involved. So, but it's an interesting, um, you know, scenario. So I don't know. Because I, I think I may have showed it on this, but uh, the one time that uh, people, they actually had live plants on the table with jars full of weed, you know, selling it. And the cops were there. They didn't bother them because like, yeah, you know, why bother? So it depends on the situation. But I don't, I don't uh, promote anyone breaking the law except for going over the speed limit, perhaps. And growing weed if you live in Very red bold. state. 
Just kidding. I'm a scapula. Do whatever the fuck you want. Just don't get caught. That's it. And then try not to hurt people. <laughs> if you could add that on there. Yeah, but, you add that in. Good, good. But yeah, generally good advice. I think uh, in, in, if you are in one of those red states or if you're in even a green state where maybe you didn't get a permit or you can't grow in your city or county or indoor, outdoor, whatever it is, make sure you take the proper precautions. Uh, I think one of our other guests said OPSEC, which some people might might not know operational security you know just when you're operating whatever it is uh, it could be a chocolate factory you know they have security for those places and uh you might want to have cameras lights things like that to at least alert you to no one people are on your property when they shouldn't be and things like that so uh carbon filter is always great fan silencers if you're going indoors to keep quiet there's a whole bunch of ways to avoid being detected uh, if you can avoid being detected in the first place like toss it uh, out of sight out of mind uh Try and stay out of trouble as much as you can. Most of the states at this point now are legal. I mean, we went through the map a few weeks ago on the show, and it was like 40-plus states have some sort of cannabis laws in the books. And now with the hemp being passed, it's even harder for the red places to really restrict and, and start busting people because if you get busted with flour and you just don't say anything, you could argue later that if they didn't test it to see if it was 0.3 THC or 0.4 THC, which is the distinction. If it's above 0.3, then it's no longer hemp. But if they didn't, if they just said, Hey, there's THC in here. Like a lot of the police departments do, they put it in a little bag, shake it up. And then it turns blue or green or purple, whatever the hell color. And it says THC is detected. Well, they didn't detect if it was 10% or 20% or 30%. They just said it's detected. So if you have a good lawyer or even if you were self-represented by whoever your public attorney is, uh, this isn't, isn't legal advice, <laughs> but, uh, at least at least look into it more try and figure out your rights and uh don't get yourself into trouble with that said i'm gonna quit rambling on about legal stuff because i am definitely not a lawyer and uh you should look way more into this pop brothers at law there are two lawyers here in california but california is not everywhere i know the united states is abroad all of our states have different laws so look into your local laws and learn them the best you can with that said i want to pass it to our guest jp from nb thank you so much for joining us all the way from our uh you know cool brothers up north in canada thanks brother it was nice to come on i love hanging out with my brothers from the south you guys know how to put on a show this has got to be the number one or certainly the top three podcast on the web so i'm really glad that i got to come on here and show off my garden and hang out with the panel so thanks again for having me i hope you guys will have me back when she gets into flower and i can show you guys hopefully some nice stacks of all gas and blueberry muffin and a little bit of tangy we would love to see that. We've had a few others ha have shown earlier progress and then uh, getting up to that harvest time. It's really cool to get those updates. So we'd be happy to have you back. Thank you for being such a wonderful guest this week and uh, showing off your garden. It takes a lot of courage to step up and show your garden off to thousands of people, potentially. Maybe there's only a hundred in the live, but you've got podcast listeners and the YouTube viewers afterwards. So it definitely uh, to come on here and, and show it off and uh, be yourself, I think is a really honorable thing to do. So we're happy to have you as part of this community and you're definitely welcome back to uh, show those off. I, I really appreciate it brother yeah i'm not gonna lie i was pretty nervous when i first came on but it's you know i was just really glad to be on with you guys and listen to you so much so it was, it was really cool experience and i'm really glad i came on and really appreciate you guys having me well we're humbled uh, i know that we're definitely not the top three podcast in general maybe in in like the very small niche uh, indoor cheap home grow space uh, and i don't even know if that's true there's so many good shows out there but uh we're, we're very humbled and honored and flattered by all the you know, positive feedback we've gotten from many of our listeners and, and now recently guests. And next up, I'm going to show off Noah Vigroa. 
and your garden. And uh, you could talk us through a little bit of that and you can let the people know where they can find you. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm Noah DeGroo on Instagram. You can find me there and uh, most weeks here. And um, this over here, that's the Skittles. That's an apple fritter, duct tape, gelato. This is the overflow I'm going to take down tomorrow right here. And then that's an apple fritter. Dosey dose. That's pretty much what I got going on right here. Uh, yeah, you guys can find me on Instagram. Ask me any questions you want. And uh, see everybody next week. Thank you so much for joining us, Noah. Always a pleasure to have you. That is Noah V with two E's, T-H-E-E, Groa on Instagram, as you can see on the Zoom, if you can read his name. Uh, but always a pleasure to have you. Cool to see your garden. It is looking killer, stacked up, nice, thick, chunky nugs in there. I am brought back to uh, my early growing days with the HPS, so I'll always have a place in my heart whenever I see those. I know that you've got everything dialed in over there, so it's just awesome to see. Because I know a lot of people struggle to grow with HPS, so when you see somebody who's actually got it dialed in, and crushing and consistent, uh, especially since you've recently switched to soil. It's just uh, really cool to see you having success in a new media and keep on uh, cranking over there, Noah. Thank you so much for joining us. And Absolutely. next up, we've got Matthew Gates. Yeah, hey everyone, good questions today. I really enjoyed um, what we were talking about. I often do when it comes to this sort of a thing and we are running low on time. So I'm just gonna say, if you are interested in more uh, pest related or plant health related information. You can find me in a few different places on Instagram at sync angel, which is my personal account. Also a lot of educational videos on my YouTube channel, Zenthanol. And if you have any professional inquiries, you can contact me at zenthanol.com. Thank you as always for joining us. Much appreciate your input and feedback for all the IPM and other topics. Uh, it's great to have you this week and all weeks so that we get to have you with us and next up last and certainly not least the american one jack thanks for hosting as always and uh jp and noah the grow your plants are looking awesome thanks for sharing matthew gates always good to hear you and thanks for your contributions as always with the pest management and shout out to everyone in chat i'm the american one and you all know where to find me and we'll catch you next week there <laughs> Cheers, Tao. Thanks, brother. Much love, Tao. That's the American one underscore with underscore Akeens, A-C-H-E-N-E-S on the Instagram. You can find them at the American one on YouTube. Uh, always great having you, Tao. I still enjoy the Amy Aces. I'm coming down to my last few nugs, at least in one of the jars. I think I might have another jar tucked somewhere in the back of the Kirador. But uh, enjoying that smoke still to this day. Appreciate Excellent. it. Always appreciate getting to grow out some of my homies gear and uh, check it out. If you want to find me, I'm on Instagram at Jack Greenstock, just like this logo shows. I'm also uh, Jack underscore Greenstock is my backup account over there. I'm also on Twitter as Jack underscore Greenstock and Cannabuzz, Jack Greenstock. Last, if you don't have social media and you'd like to get in contact with me, Jack Greenstock 47 at gmail.com. And um, if you'd like a copy of the book, I just renewed my website for a year, 50strains.com, 50strains.com, not 50 uh shades like 50 shades of gray it's kind of a, a take on that name but this is cannabis related highlighting 50 strains of cannabis if you haven't already heard about it i'm sure most of you guys have but for any of the new listeners out there if you'd like to copy of that book check out 50 strains.com i've got more information on there you can order it both in the u.s and internationally so thank you everybody for listening both live and uh, the podcast people afterwards can't stress how much i appreciate all the positive feedback and even the 
constructive criticism, like letting us know that you guys can't hear Spartan. I want to make sure that everybody can hear him. So really appreciate that. And uh, we look forward to seeing you all next week. For Dr. MJ, I'll say growers love everyone. And for Jack Greenstock, I'll sign out and see you all next week. Growers love. Cheers, Jack. Growers love, guys.